Okay, welcome to Unleashed Cast on a snowy International Women's Day. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to announce the first of a couple of interviews to celebrate women everywhere today, women in senior positions in a couple of different industries, one whom we know very well at Unleash, um, but this one, Sue Ellen Wright, Managing Director of Aerospace Defence and Security at Soprasteria, someone we've not spoken to before. Uh, Sue Ellen is helping to transform some of the UK's most complex systems and processes in secure environments by identifying and developing mission and critical tools, be it AI, analytics, robotics or cloud. Yes, so it was great to speak to her about her position in tech and how she got there and the challenges that we face to make things more equal for all. A great conversation, one of two coming up today uh, on Unleashcast. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Sue Ellen Wright. Um, Sue Ellen, thank you so much uh, for your time today. We're going to be talking about the very important, pertinent and timely subject of diversity and technology. So my first question is, as a woman in a senior leadership position in technology. Uh, what career challenges have you faced and how did you overcome these? Thanks, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I think um, I've largely enjoyed my career, actually. I'm quite a positive, down-to-earth person. I've changed roles. I've had a lot of roles across um, the military and technology. Um, and to be honest, I used to struggle to answer questions like this, um, which may sound uh, bizarre, but actually I think the answer is me, myself and my own imposter syndrome was probably the largest challenge and inhibitor I've actually faced to my career progressing. Um, I've been hugely lucky to have some fantastic sponsors who encouraged me and recommended me for more senior roles, actually including the one I'm in right now, um, because I used to see myself as predominantly a senior leader supporting role, so not actually at the forefront. And I hated being asked about what my ambition was. My dreaded question was, where do you see yourself in five years time? And that was mainly because I didn't really resonate with the job descriptions for the next level. So I kind of felt I had about 80% of what I was being asked for. Words like confident and professional put me off from wanting to advance my own career. Um, you know, I absolutely saw myself as strategic, as authentic, as resilient. And through my military background, I knew I had leadership and complex problem solving. But professional to me was some eloquent, possibly posh chap in a three-piece suit. Um, and I was this Aussie girl, five foot four, wild curly hair, all the rest of it. So it didn't really gel, sometimes a bit loud, sometimes a bit giggly. Um, and I think... That's why I really thrive here, where I am actually at, at Sopra Terry, because working for an organization, um, regardless, I guess, if it's tech or not, but it absolutely applies to tech, which actively encourages you to be authentic and bring your whole self to work, I think really does help overcome one of the biggest barriers, which is, you know, our own imposter syndrome. So, you know, I, I certainly haven't cracked that problem. I don't think I've solved it or overcome it, but I'm definitely learning to understand it more and what I need to do to uh, to manage it. I mean, imposter syndrome, we could do an entire podcast episode about that, I think, probably. <laughs> but um, I, we've covered it on Unleashed before, but I'm wondering what you think about why diversity and the tech industry is so critical for, for success. Um, what's your perspective on that? Well, I think, it, you know, technology now absolutely is about focusing on outcomes for real people's lives and tech matters more and more and more. And we can see it through negative examples. You know, there's been talk in the press recently, hasn't there, about the exposure of ethnic and gender bias in some facial recognition software, 
Um, I think, you know, in the in the Invisible Women book, it talked about some of the real significant challenges with uh, PPE and safety kits. Um, but, but I think, you know, more and more we see this blurred line between transformation, digital tech and, and business. So I think it's hugely, hugely important and probably for three major reasons. And the first is that the problems and the challenges and the opportunities, I guess, that we're trying to address are becoming more and more complex. And to solve really complex problems, we need the most diverse teams that we can possibly get so that we've got all of these different perspectives and we can ask questions along the way to refine solutions. So I think that's the first. Um, the second is that I'm really pleased that the technical roles themselves are changing. You know, back in the day, you really had to want to be a programmer. You needed to get under the hood of technology to, to, to be involved in a tech role. I don't think that's the case anymore with low code, no code. You know, it's as much about the business outcomes as it is about the technology. So I think that's uh, that's changing the landscape. Um, and finally, and I know it sounds really simple and it's probably what you have covered before, but of course, Females make up at least half of the population. So designing a business solution that doesn't suit at least half of the population that it's trying to address is not going to be ideal, um, no matter, you know, no matter how good it is. So I think, you know, they're they're the reasons really, three, three key reasons. Complex problems, the fact that actually technology roles are more closely aligned to business, and females are 50% of the end users. Yeah, I can can agree more. Um I think we have made a lot of progress, but um, there's plenty more to do. It's kind of good in a way to not be satisfied, rest on your laurels and always kind of try to improve the situation. And so despite the progress that we have made, uh, yeah. what do you think the barriers are that are still in place for women working in tech to kind of reach those heights or get where they want to be? Yeah, because there definitely are barriers, aren't there? I mean, I think one of the recent uh, articles I read said there's about 26% of all tech roles uh, taken by females. So we've definitely got some work to do. Um, I, I think the fact that there's a lot of, uh, th th there are insufficient female role models, I think is probably one of, the, one of the key points. You know, so it isn't necessarily, and it could be, that the dominant culture within an organization can turn women off. I think it's really about seeing people like me when I'm applying for roles or looking for role models or thinking about, you know, what I really, what I'd really like to do as my career. And I think you know, we absolutely should be able to do it because if we look backwards in history, you know, the first software programmer was Ada Lovelace. That's a female. So the very first, we're going um, an amazingly competent, capable role model who sadly, you know, was only on the planet for 36 years, but what a phenomenal legacy she left, you know, and I think you think of all of those fantastic females working at Bletchley Park during the war, you know, in and around the Enigma program, so many of them that were phenomenal maths and STEM brains, and they could talk to people and role model and say, come and join our organisation. And even, you know, Dame Shirley, uh, Dame Stephanie Shirley, or Steve, as we, as we call her, who founded the FI group, which has became part of the Sotra family, 
you know, she was a pioneer. She had uh, females who had small children, uh, an entire female organization delivering software and programming, and they collectively developed the black box for the Concorde. So they were doing significant things. I just think we need to make sure that these fantastic tech-savvy female role models are in the media and in the press and front and foremost so that we can show actually that this is a fantastic career. And I think, you know, like uh, we were saying before, because there are so many business-related and business-focused roles across technology, you don't need to say, I want to be an architect. You don't need to say, you know, I want to be a gamer. You can absolutely say, I just want to be involved in digital transformation and what we do in the future and be a bit passionate about it in order to have a phenomenal career in tech. I've only got one last question. It's a it's a call to action, a yeah. call to arms, I guess, um, yeah. and some advice for companies out there who are looking to improve that. Uh, gender yeah. equality um and and progress the and and make more of the progress that they've already made so what can companies do to encourage yeah. more women into tech and how important are you've mentioned a few already uh, yeah. role models in encouraging women into this industry yeah so I think that's I think that's absolutely right the role models part and you know I think is it five percent I think it's five percent of the leadership roles in tech are held by females. So how do we make sure that at least that 5% have got as much visibility as possible? Um, I think it's also, you know, it's, it, it is a complex challenge, isn't it? So addressing this starts with STEM and it starts with school, but we can't as companies sit back and say, we can't influence that. That's up to the government or that's up to, you know, the principals and the leadership, executive leadership in schools. So I think we do have to take an interest and see how we can encourage more females, even at that level. So for instance, we do quite a bit of work with SINAM and the Cheltenham Science Festival, where we're actively out there trying to show and encourage school children to, to be involved in STEM. So I think that's good. We've got programs through our Tech for Good, where we're helping school students learn presentation skills and confidence skills to get them exposed to technology um, all aspects of technology. So I think it's how you actively take an interest in those younger um, school-age children, females in particular. So I think that's I think that's the first one. Um, and I think the second is absolutely making sure that we are being as open as possible and, and attracting as many females to apply for roles as possible. So one of the things we've done recently is apply some AI. So um, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, like I didn't really like words like confident and professional in um, job descriptions. And actually, it turns out I'm not the only female that doesn't like those, you know, I mean, and if I give you an example, um, I can absolutely confidently sing along to any song when I'm in the car by myself. It doesn't mean I have any competence whatsoever. And so I would actively describe myself as a, con a confident singer with no competence, but I'm a competent business person with possibly less confidence. And that's why I think the use of language is so important. So since we've used this AI uh, in our job descriptions, we've seen a 14% increase in the number of females applying to roles. 
that's just fantastic, isn't it? A really simple, not expensive change that we could all make. Um, and, and I think some of it is word of mouth. You know, um, personally, I don't ever respond when reached out via LinkedIn. I don't know who you are. It's not how I'd want my next role. I always respond to, you know, networks and people encouraging me. So the way we recruit, I also think is uh, is is really, really important. And then finally, John, you know, for me, it's not just about attracting the right female talent into the organisation. It's about nurturing, engaging and growing them while they're there. So the difference between being invited to the disco, if you like, and being asked to dance, you know, you can have them in the organisation. But if they're not contributing in valuable roles and being encouraged to be, you know, to progress and to contribute, then actually we haven't really achieved what we wanted to. So I think it's all of the things within the organisation once you get them in there. So making sure they've got mentors and sponsors and, you know, development and learning activities and all of that sort of thing once they join the organisation, just to make sure that they are engaged and retained. So everything really, that's a huge answer, isn't it, in, the, in two or three minutes. But I hope that touches on some of the things that I think are, are really important. No, it's perfect. Um, yeah, loads of advice in there. It's great stuff. Yeah, as I said, I think uh, it's easy for me to say, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm really glad I talked to you, but I obviously recognised it. I come from a place of privilege, but, um, you know, we have made a great strides, but lots more to do. So, uh Sue Ellen, thank you so much for your time talking to Unleashcast. Much appreciated. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Unleashcast today. If you made it this far, then there's a very special offer just for you. That's a discount on the entry price to our upcoming show, Unleash America, taking place at Caesars Forum on April 26th, 27th, 2023. When you get to check out, type in the code POD10, that's POD10, and receive a 10% discount on the ticket price. There's amazing speakers at Unleash America this year. We've got Estee Lauder, we've got Coca-Cola, we've got McDonald's, Elliot Maisie speaking, Visa Card, a collection of some of the best thought leaders in the entire world, all coming together in one place. That's Caesars Forum for Unleash America this April. So that code again. When you go to checkout, type in POD10 to receive 10% discount on the ticket price. Don't miss out. We'll see you in Vegas.